listeners, this is Marsha Epstein and Tariana Charles with Talk With Me. Tariana and I haven't been together for a while, so who knows where we're going to go. I know, whoever does. (laughs) Whoever, whenever. Um, So I will actually invite you for people who haven't heard you. Yeah. Just say a little bit about yourself, a little background, and then we'll sure. launch into wherever we head. All right. I'm sorry for everyone who already has heard this several times. <laughs> but um, yeah, I went. I was born and raised here in Lawrence and did a lot of theater, youth theater here, and did theater in um, church, of course. Black Southern Baptist raised and so very theatrical by nature. <laughs> and did a lot of theater in high school. Got a great scholarship to go to my dream school, which I was somehow accepted to at New York University to study drama. Went there to study classical drama. And then I did film my final semester. Then I moved out to Los Angeles after doing some stage work in New York off off Broadway. I did um, the Hypercontract, which was wonderful lead role and that was scary and put me off of acting and stage for a while <laughs> to be quite honest and um just a whole nother story of all of that but i'm back so <laughs> but, you're a classically trained actor I at am. a fancy dancy school <laughs> well, grateful yes <laughs> i'm observer of life and a partaker of risk <laughs> And And, and some other things about you, just personal things in the sense of people are hearing your voice, but they don't know much about you. I am, and I consider myself a ginger binary, androgynous performer, which I know a lot of people is (laughs) a mouthful. So if you saw me, a lot of people do mistake me for a woman on most days, and sometimes you know, I expected. Sometimes it's a surprise. Sometimes I expect it because I do come out in full makeup and I I don't cross dress, but if you saw me, I'm a bit petite. And so unless I want to shop in the little boy section, I generally go <laughs> for women's clothing, but I try to make it look as masculine as I can, which ends up being a combination of, you know, femininity with like a speck of masculinity, which makes it androgynous. <laughs> so, you know, I'll come out with full makeup and that kind of dress. And so I would expect it, but sometimes I wake up, roll out of bed and go, and I still get mistaken for a woman. So, Cause you identify as male. Yes. And I use male pronouns. And so, and when I audition for roles, uh-huh. I usually audition as a male. Uh-huh. And it's funny because I, the, Things I've been cast in, it's been 50, 50 per, like, percent, I would say, uh, either uh, male roles where it's classical, of course, or a gender kind of concept roles. Like the last most prominent role I did was a um, Dan Bourne play where I, did, I was a transgender uh, character. And so, because I guess I can pull that off. <laughs> pretty well but yeah so i lately identified so much more with my androgyny and kind of accepted so much more because of a lot of more um people popping up on youtube um and kind of doing a bit of like just seeing that other people 
accept it in themselves so much more than I did previously has helped me tremendously. I can't even explain. I there's a couple I follow religiously now on YouTube who talk about it and talk about their reactions towards um, events and circumstances where they go out and they're mistaken for a man at, at a social gathering or if they're a woman or vice versa, whether or not they, you know, correct persons or if they, you know, just go along with it. And to hear some people just say, you know, yeah, I just go along with it. If it's, I'm just like, oh, whatever, cool, they don't, you know, and if they ask me, then I'll say, they specifically ask me, I'll identify and tell them I identify with whatever gender they are, whatever pronouns they use. But to not make it so, such a serious subject and, and like, you know, make it such a taboo kind of thing and make you uncomfortable about it. They just accept it. And that has helped me tremendously. And I think that's going to help my artwork in the future too. And because it's kept me back, I would say in a lot of ways, because I thought, oh, I couldn't audition for that role. I'm not masculine enough or, you know, I'm, I don't want to be identified as the gay actor. So I don't want to audition for that role. And so now I'm prepared to kind of just go after everything. I've, I've become hungry again. And I think that social media has helped me with that tremendously. I, you know, I have my qualms with a bit of social media, the trolls and the you know negative comments and how they affect certain people and Generation Z or as such a hard time these days being online and dealing with things that I did not have to grow up dealing with. And, you know, I just got bullied in school a bit for being, you know, effeminate. You know, I wasn't you know, attacked on my Facebook page, you know. <laughs> so it's it was it's a difficult it was a difficult process for me to, you know, get online and start looking at those kind of videos because you are going to see the backlash in the comments about people saying, you know, you should identify uh, and try your best and to be who you were born, who, what gender you were born to be. And what know. does that mean? What gender you were born to be? You know, I there's one uh, in particular. I'm trying to think of her her name. It's Ari, and I think she her show her she goes by Ari on her videos on YouTube and. She is a androgynous female, and a lot of times she's, and mostly she says she's mistaken as male, which actually she doesn't mind at all. She kind of goes for that in a sense. She does, she did a, a comedic film um, video rather where she dressed up as what she called femme. So she put on makeup and hair and dress, and she just felt so uncomfortable. She couldn't stop laughing when they. And when her friend finished the final project, I and I kind of related it to I once my sister let my sister dress me up as I guess what you'd say like masculine, totally opposite of what I would have usually dressed. I mean, like baggy pants, Timberland big boots, and a big coat, and you know, and I just I thought I looked ridiculous, mm -hmm. and they thought I was a shining star all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's you know, and she looked beautiful as a femme, but that's not what she was comfortable in. So, and that's what I wanted you to clarify. 
born to be in terms of who you really are, not what your body has. Exactly. And so it was so interesting to see that she was so uncomfortable being Uh gorgeous. I mean, Mm -hmm. she had a modeling contract before she had YouTube, which she turned down because they wanted her to be so femme Mm -hmm. off so often. Mm -hmm. And she just feels uncomfortable Mm -hmm. in high heels and, you know, dresses. Whereas I can't stand the idea of loafers and suits, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I just, I get chastised by my mom so much because I, I refuse to wear suits to church. <laughs> you know, it's just not me. I would rather wear a really nice sweater, <laughs> you know, and a pair, I, I'll wear a pair of slacks and, you know, a pair of moccasins or something. But I just I'm I'm not traditional and conventional, and it's not that I'm trying to be a woman. Mm-hmm. I'm not even trying to look like a woman. I'm just dressing as comfortable as I can dress, you know, to be as much of myself as right. I can express as much of who yeah. I am as I can be, so that I can be myself throughout the day. Because uh-huh. I feel like when you're in uniform almost, your, sti- your personality is so stifled, uh-huh. you know, I that experiment, I would call it, that my sisters did on me, I had to act, you know, I mean, like, so comfortable in that kind of moment, uh-huh. because they were, at, I mean, they wanted me to permanently dress like that, and oh. in that moment, I just, you know, I thought, I could never pull this off. <laughs> Uh-huh. Oh, you know, it's it not just, a yard. It would just, I would be, I would be silent. I mean, I just, I wouldn't even know how to react to people. They, you know, conversations would go nowhere because I'd be confused about, like, you know, how to talk to people. Uh-huh. So it, I, it's interesting to think about how much your appearance and how you present yourself affects your personality and how much you can give of yourself. You know, because people think that, um, you know, clothes don't matter. Uh, You know, that kind of, it's superficial to kind of think of it. And yes, in a sense, if you think about like, if you're always thinking about brand names and who, what designer did this and such, that is superficial. But there's a great quote in a supervision movie, I would say The Devil Wars Prada, that one of the characters uses where he ta- he says, um, clothes are, is art because you live your life in it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, and he makes it, he says it's the most important kind of art because of the fact that you live your life in it. Mm-hmm. And art is supposed to be reflective of who you are. And in that case, that's what it is. So. I don't know. In my case, I feel like it's very important to dress as you, you know, feel comfortable because that's the only way you're going to be able to express yourself in the mm-hmm. fullest. Mm-hmm. So my oldest sister, who is autistic, refused to wear dresses, refused to wear um, high heels to church growing up. When my mom used to make her, I remember her being so just shut down. Mm-hmm. And she wouldn't speak. She'd be angry, of course. And that was part of it. But she also just felt so uncomfortable that she just wouldn't respond to people. Mm-hmm. 
when she was able, when she got older and just kind of took control of her life. And I mean, she really did. She made us change, call her, her by her real name because we used to have a nickname for her and she like became very independent. <laughs> she, you know, totally decided that she didn't care what people thought and just as she wanted to. And to this day, I mean, she's an inspiration to me. She'll, she doesn't shave her legs and that's something she's very proud of, <laughs> you know, and she shows them off proudly, you know, and she, I mean, she's just like, I feel like the post woman of the 1970s <laughs> of like, you know, women's like, yeah, women kind of, you know, mm -hmm. poster, but that's not what she's trying to be. She's just being herself and mm -hmm. like it or not, you know, and she's autistic. So she never, she never even thinks about it in that way. She just thinks she never felt comfortable growing up at being controlled. And so now she's going to be herself, which astonishes me because I felt the same way, but now I fear judgment in so many ways, you know? I think about how I'm presenting myself mm -hmm. to the world and I watch so many TED Talks about that, like, you know, does it matter what people think? Mm -hmm. And you get a lot of different answers. I watched a video this morning that said, yes, it does matter in a sense about how you present yourself and what people think of you because, of course, in certain situations, jobs, and specific if you want to move ahead, you know, in certain areas, you know, wherever you're working, they expect a certain thing. And that is something that I was talking to my mom about recently because I am insecure about the fact that if I wasn't acting, because obviously acting is a hard career, <laughs> to say the least, to break into, what would I do? And how would I do it? Because a lot of jobs that I think I would be good at, I don't know that I would be accepted into. You know, corporate positions, for instance, you know, I love the history. I love, you know, absorbing information. And I think I would be very good at marketing, at branding and things of that nature. But, you know, in certain situations, they obviously even make women, women such a minority in companies. So you can imagine what they do to the gay male and then being black and gay. I'm just like, I might as well just go and get my, you know, makeup license and start doing hair, you know? And that's sad to say, but it's what a lot of people in my particular mm -hmm. circumstance do. And it's also the stereotype of who we are in a lot of cases. How many times do you see the black gay man doing hair in film and television? And so, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting topic, appearance and personality. And what, what I really hear you saying is that we should all express who we are in the way that we present ourselves to the world and the, the thing is, is that we also know that we will be reacted to in certain ways. And so how do we factor that in? You know, and that we, we really... and, and the fact that we do that, that we express ourselves, shouldn't limit us in our abilities right. to get opportunities. Right. And it yet shouldn't. it does. It does. 
And so that's where it's like, okay, so then how do I make these decisions? Do I try to find a community where people are much more accepting than mm-hmm. where I am currently? Or do I have to pretend to be somebody I'm not in terms of how I present myself to be able to have certain opportunities or certain experiences? And and it's it's very difficult. Which is something I brought up to you earlier. I watched a video where someone dressed up in Los Angeles as a woman and purposefully was trying, it was just cross-dressing. So they knew that he was a man, but he had hair and makeup and was wearing a sports bra, but with a hairy chest and just wanted to see the kind of, you know, reactions he got, he would get. Um, And he didn't get many in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. because you talk about location. And he was like, I was surprised at the fact that I only got one or two strange glances. Mm -hmm. Whereas you couldn't do that in the Midwest and get the same kind of reaction, you know, I we said, of course, because I'm so effeminate looking, several people in the last month even have said to me, oh, you have such feminine features, <laughs> which I don't, I get what that means, but at the same time, I'm kind of just like, okay, and what is what does that amount to? Are you saying that that's a good thing or a bad thing, do you know? And so obviously I couldn't do that experiment and make it work. However, if someone who was a little bit more masculine looking with a beard, for instance, mm-hmm. tried the same experience and here in Kansas, it probably would get a few more glances, if not a few comments. Mm-hmm. And so, and the person that I was talking about um, who does YouTube videos, uh, who is um, very endogenous, talked about an experience where she walked across a group of men and they thought that one of them thought that she was a um, a woman, of course, and was obviously started to hit on her and yell out obscenities about, you know, what you know, what men do in those in those big cities. You know, every woman I think has experienced that in larger cities when you walk across a group of men. Unfortunately, it's true. And then another one of their friends said. Uh, she's, dude, that's man. She's not, but she's so androgynous that they were immediately convinced. And so they started to throw things at her. And immediately her life changed to in danger. <laughs> you know, in a split second, she was just walking and enjoying her day to being in danger. Mm-hmm simply from how she looked. People's reactions. People's reactions to how she looked. That that the fact that they perceived her in a certain way entitled them to be abusive to her, which is I mean, you have to dress a certain way to feel safe. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. And to feel like you can get a job. Mm-hmm. And you know, <laughs> and I oh, I also watched really quickly a a video about two men who went for the same job. They were doing a social experiment to see if they would get hired. One pretended to be gay, and the other one was acted as straight. 
and purposefully kind of answered the questions nonchalantly that they were being asked and but made an you know effort to present a masculine image while the other one did the same thing but at the inter and got the job made it at the person interviewing who they blanked out his face basically told him that he had the job and then he asked at the end this is or he mentioned and this this is great because me and my boyfriend just moved close and the reaction changed mm-hmm. from the employer immediately to where he said something like oh well just keep in mind that this is a job that a lot of people are applying for and moments before he had just basically told him he had the job had shaken his hand you know had kind of like given him the heads up to mm-hmm. he can stop looking and immediately that changed. I wish I could remember the name of the video because it's something that everyone should watch. I bet if you Google it on YouTube, I bet it's not in the first kind of video that that's made. That one in particular wasn't even um, in America. It was in a different country. I can't remember which one. And so it's subtitles, which, you know, so it just, it's not just even in the United States, obviously, <laughs> that this happens. It's around, it's global. And probably worse than obviously in Eastern societies where being gay is definitely not as accepted in, in Middle Eastern countries where it's in some cases punishable by death. You can, I think, I can't remember what country it is where you can actually murder your son if he comes out or if you find out that he's had, you know, intimate relations with some of the same sex gender. So it's something, I mean, to think about, (laughs) you know, and I'm all about solutions. I was at work the other day and we had a work meeting and I got kind of in trouble because I just, we were talking about something repetitive every time we, we couldn't keep up with these numbers and the third, this was like the third month we had the monthly meeting and we were still talking about the same thing. And I just said, well, what is the solution? <laughs> we we know the problem. What is the solution? Let's start, you know, garnering some attention towards finding out what we can do to fix it mm-hmm. instead of just saying there's a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, that frustrates me to I'm no so end. You, yes. <laughs> that's, that's probably my biggest pet peeve when people acknowledge to me that there's a problem and leave it there in right. the air, right. you know? And so, I don't know, There obviously there's not an overnight solution to this particular issue when it comes to gender identification and the reactions that other people should or should not have towards that and the limitations that should not be there because of how someone expresses chooses to express themselves because it makes them comfortable despite the abilities that they may have to turn your job from zero to 100 overnight but you turn them down because they're gay or because they're transgender because they choose to dress a certain way. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Obviously not no night solution is going to be conceived, but solutions 
and ideas need to be presented, mm-hmm. you know. And where do we start? I, I mean, that's what that's what the big question is. Where do we start? We could start by treating people like humans, well, with kindness true. and respect. I mean, aren't we taught that in third grade? I mean, uh, the golden rule, as Oprah said, you just treat others as you wish to be treated. You know, if those same persons who were dressed in three-piece suits and interviewing gay people and turning them down was were going to Harper's Bazaar to get a job and, you know, this is a stereotype that I'm just using for an example, and they were being interviewed by a flamboyant gay man in a fur coat, they probably would look at their outfit, you know, and say that's kind of bland. Would they be appreciative of that? <laughs> you know what they think? Well, I've read your magazine from cover to cover, and I know how, you know, your audience would react to a new edition, and it, I would have a positive idea, you know, all the experience necessary, but because I'm in my three-piece suit and my, you know, fresh loafers that were just spit and spot cleaned <laughs> and shined down, down, you know, on the sidewalk, <laughs> you know, I can't get the job, you know, put it in reverse order, put yourself in the other person's shoes for once and think about how it must feel because you identify in, in a certain way or you feel comfortable in a certain dress and that limits your ability to be able to get opportunities that you know that you would be wonderful at. I'm I'm sorry to harp on that, but it's just something that's affecting me personally lately. And I just and it's something that I fear will affect me for years to come. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm glad that progress is being made because it means that the not that I'm very old or anything. I'm only 27, but my roommates, for instance, are 21, 22. And in, I believe in seven, five to seven years, they will actually have a little bit more opportunity if we start now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to kind of change, to make the conversation, you know, and to not just make the conversation though and leave it in the air, but to offer solution. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about the upcoming, you know, generation, the 2000s (laughs) children's, if you will, is that they are really, they're not apathetic. You know, it doesn't seem like they're apathetic to, you know, the situations I see. I have a roommate who's transgender. I think that's wonderful very young to have made that decision. And, you know, I don't think that I would have been able to make that decision when I was at at 21, 22 years old, if I had thought that I was transgender. I did come out uh, um, at 21 as, as gay to my family. My friends had already known since high school and I believe my family knew since birth, but (laughs) I never had said the words Mm -hmm. until I was 21. And it was not a um, happy occasion, I will say, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't this wonderful stories that you hear now where the parents say, well, I love you no matter who you are. 
you know, it was there, you know, religious, um, religion came involved and, you know, conversations about disease and, you know, dangerous situations that would arise because of it and how I would be attacked. Basically, propaganda to try to get me to change. And that, unfortunately, has not changed. (laughs) And in my family in particular, and in a lot of families, I will say I've seen progress, Mm -hmm. and that's wonderful. But I do come from a Southern Baptist family. You know, both my parents were born and raised in the South during a time where, you know, it was segregated. And so they have pretty set mindsets about how things should be. And breaking through those walls is, you know, the kind of mountain of my life that I'm climbing, you know. And whether or not I do it, I, you know, I actually said to my mom, I almost feel like you'll be defending your point of view to your grave. And that, I mean, well, how would we have, how will we have a relationship? And I don't mind sharing this because I hope that it helps someone else, or at least someone else knows that they are not alone in their quest to become accepted in their family. Like I said, it's wonderful that this new generation has have had parents who were born a little bit later. And so they were kind of, they, parents rather, were raised in a time where more progress were being was being made. Mm-hmm. Whereas my parents, my dad's nearly 70. And so he was literally raised during a time where they were just trying to get rights for African-Americans, right. you know, and to ask rights for gay African-Americans just seems greedy. <laughs> but I will say that my father is actually accepting of it, which is, you know, he, but it's for other reasons. He, I think that he feels a little bit guilty that he wasn't more part of my life. And so he doesn't feel like he has the right to judge me in any circumstance. Whereas my mother, on the other hand, feels like she raised me to be an upstanding black male. Christian. Christian. And her definition Absolutely. I was going to be a preacher or a lawyer. Uh That was spoken several times Uh when I was growing up. And I remember one time a it was a savant, I suppose, of a preacher came. He was 12 years old and gave an amazing sermon in our church. And my mom, oh, I was about the same age at the time. At the ride home, it was just how I could do that. I'm so theatrical. You know, that must be my calling. And I knew in that moment that, yes, I could do that. And I could do it very well but I would be pretending, <laughs> I'd be acting, you know? And e- even if I was saying it from, unless I was saying it rather from my point of view of the God that I serve, that I believe is all accepting and all loving. And, you know, yes, there's people who say the Bible says this and you know, there's then the other people who are gay and or who support 
gay and who support, you know, diversity, who say it doesn't directly right. say that at anywhere in the Bible that you cannot be gay right. or that God is against homosexuality. And so if I were to preach, I would preach that mm-hmm. from that point of right. view and I would do it very well. Uh-huh. I'm confident that I would. Uh-huh. I'm just not sure that my church would have the same reaction as they did. Well, your particular to church probably wouldn't. But, <laughs> no, they you know, wouldn't. But, but other there's churches, other churches yeah, would. Which is not to say you need to become a pastor, but it's just no, a, exactly. that, that we see more and more churches who have proud signs outside of their outside of their buildings that will say they are open and affirming and and yes so we we know and there's I love that happening and i that went we to a church like that in new york mm-hmm. and speaking of that i know we're going to talk about something coming up and so there's a lot of churches who um even in kansas city and around here in this area who are very popular in terms of being very open right so we got you know. lots of stuff to talk about. Yes. You've been saying, sharing a lot about you know your personal experience in terms of letting other people know that they're not alone. Mm. You know, if you are a person whose gender identity maybe is in flux, is questioning, is not what people think about you. Mm-hmm. If your sexual orientation is not heterosexual, if you're African American, there are all these different things you're talking about that lots of people identify with is that that's me too. And here is this guy saying, you are a good person. You have the right to be who you are. And unfortunately things are difficult out in the world sometimes. Don't you dare give up. Right, there you go. Don't you you dare. I mean, we need you. And all of us who have the whatever of good fortune, luck, whatever you want to call it, that says that, okay, I, I have an identity that's comfortable to the majority of the world, we can also be on that ally side of paying attention and helping educate people too and stepping up, Mm. not standing by when we see somebody being improperly treated. We do have to take a break right now. We want to hear from a couple of the businesses at sponsorlawrencehits.com and then we'll be right back with more Talk With Me with Colonel Charles, and we've got a bunch of things to talk about. We're going to shift gears a little bit because there's an event in Kansas City we want to talk about that relates to what we've actually been talking about. So, hey, stay with us. We'll be right back, and I get to say thank you, Daniel Smith. Thank you, Daniel. Welcome back to Talk With Me, and again, this is Marcia Epstein and Tarina Charles, and in the background, making you be able to hear this is our producer, Daniel Smith. So that's why I thank Daniel, because he lets people hear us. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you. So one of the things, because we've, we're more than halfway through the hour, Yeah. we have a bunch of things we wanted to mention, and you wanted to start with one in Kansas City. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't want to mess up the official name. Kansas City Pride Fest 2017. 2017. So I've never been to the Kansas City Pride Fest because I've usually, ever since I've been of age, I've been out of the state. But I'm excited about this because um, I'm just excited to see the the, uh, turnout. I went, I've obviously been to Pride Festivals in New York and California, and you can imagine the <laughs> amount of people that come out to those. And so those are very liberal cities, obviously, <laughs> and very full of pride, <laughs> if you will. So 
I know, and I know that Kansas City and the surrounding areas have so many people who are prideful and who have even events throughout the year. And so the, seeing them congregate this weekend, I'm excited about. Um, there's several events, I believe, that you can, and there's yeah. tickets available now yeah. to go. So probably the easiest thing is to Google KC Pride. It's actually, the website is gaypridekc.org. But if you look up KC Pride Fest 2017, you'll find schedules. And just mm. a little reminder here, this type of activity, slightly different names and locations, has been going on in Kansas City since 1975. Wow. A few years have been missed, but but this is not something new and different. No. Um, so it's an exciting thing. It's a great opportunity to come out, have a great time with great people, um, support friends, meet friends you know so we encourage you to go show your support by being involved out in the community and they were i i got my um invitation if you will a friend of mine pointed it out to me on facebook and a lot of my friends are going so there's a facebook account about it as well so if you want to check it out on facebook they give you know a brief description a lot i know a lot of people find all their information through Facebook. Uh-huh. I just found my about Coachella through Facebook because, you know, Beyonce is performing next year and I will be there. Right. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so yeah, if you go yeah. on Facebook, it's there as well. And they give you the lineup. They do talk about how there's not as much space because of construction. So I definitely would um, keep that in mind. So if you're going to go, you should probably look it up and see if you can get tickets as quickly as possible. And and it's Friday, the day this show premieres. This sh- this radio broadcast is 5 to 6 p.m. on Friday the 2nd. The Pride Fest starts at 6 p.m. on Friday the 2nd and goes until midnight. Um, and again, this is in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Saturday from noon to midnight and Sunday, June 4th from noon to 7 p.m. And you so can expect a bunch of fun yes. activities, I'm yeah. sure. I yeah. mean, yeah. <laughs> bring out, you know, make sure you dress comfortably, ready to dance. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> ready to, you know, not so much debauchery, but, you know, <laughs> just a lot of fun, I believe. I can, I mean, if it's anything like the past festivals I've been to in New York and Los Angeles, I can say that it's it's an experience you don't want to miss and you always come back with really great memories and you always come back with new friends, mm-hmm. which is always great because that's another thing about congregating, at, you know, and having shared bonds in your lifestyle is that in some places you might feel isolated and when they have these big events you're able to come from wherever you are and where there might not be as many people like you or you are nervous to approach them and in these kind of circumstances they will approach you (laughs) (laughs) it'll be fun it'll be fun yeah and speaking of fun and also things that relate to performing i want to mention a few different things that are coming up um, Karin and I usually do a show once a month. We've been a little off schedule, so I'm going to be looking a little bit into the future here. But I want to mention that there are always great readings at the Raven Bookstore, and there are two in particular that I want to mention. On Friday, June 9th, Danny Kane, who also happens to work at the Raven, mm. is a poet of the humorous sort, getting you thinking by by uh, a different type of poetry than you might expect. 
always delightful. Who knows what will come out? But he has a new book coming out. So Danny Kane is doing a book release on Friday, June 9th at the Raven Bookstore in downtown Lawrence. And then the following Friday, June 16th, I'm going to say I, I'm going to toss out two things that are very different, both very dear to my heart and say choose. But I hope you go to one of these. One is also at the Raven Bookstore on Friday, June 16th. Um, Annette Billings, who is a poet and mm. an actress and wonderful, an amazing person, as, as somebody christened her, the supermodel of love. Amen. <laughs> Annette Billings <laughs> and Diane Silver, who is a writer who has just released a book of daily meditations, actually called The Daily Shot of Hope. Mm-hmm. And that and Diane have paired up to do readings from their books about hope. And then on Saturday, June 17th at the Unity Church of Lawrence, they're doing a writing workshop called Harvest, a workshop on finding and sustaining hope. This is so important in our times. Um, it's, it relates to what Tarin's been talking about in terms of his personal life mm-hmm. and encouraging other people to know they can be themselves and be true. And it takes hope to do that. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you, and you can look on Facebook, you can find the, uh, for example, the page Annette Hope Billings, her poet page, her author page, Diane Silver online or on Facebook, and know that, again, they're reading together on Friday, June 16th at the Raven and doing a writing workshop on the morning of Saturday, June 17th at Unity Church of Lawrence. The conflict and the challenge on Friday the 16th is there's also a speaker being brought to Lawrence, to the LEAD Center mm. by the Burton Ash Community Mental Health Center. And that speaker is a man named Kevin Hines. Um, probably the thing that gets said about Kevin the most is that he's one of the few people who has survived a suicide attempt from the Golden Gate Bridge. Oh, wow. Um, and Kevin is a huge advocate for people to be inspired by in terms of being very open about his living with mental illness challenges and the things that he does for himself in terms of ways that he structures his life, things that he can do, ways that that also involves working with mental health professionals. But Kevin is there as a reminder to say, we can get through these things. The title of his book even is Cracked, Not Broken, I love that. And and that, yeah, we can learn, we can grow, we can get to life that's really worth living. So Kevin Hines is at the LEAD Center on Friday, June 16th. It's a free event for the community brought to us by the Burton Ash Community Mental Health Center. So a great opportunity to hear a very inspiring speaker. And what time uh, was that? that They're both evening things at seven. So that's kind of like, yeah, you can only do one or the other. And that and Diane or Kevin... But do something on Friday the 16th. And then I want to jump back to to something in Topeka that's coming up on Saturday, June 10th. It's a celebration of Gwendolyn Brooks, and it's called Brooks Fest. So you can find that on Facebook, and it's just one of those things that we need to be out in the community for special events. We need to show our support. We need to be enjoying them. We need to be making new friends and seeing friends that we haven't seen in a while because they're also at this event. So please, you know, get out, get out, get out, do these things. And then I want to kind of segue from the Kevin Hines talk to just mention a couple of things. I would 
urge people to, to be really aware there are a lot of things that we can do to support each other. And that happens sometimes through kind of formal support activities. And we've got a great thing in Lawrence, Kansas, with a local chapter of NAMI, which is National Alliance on Mental Illness, a support group meeting that's support and, and information sharing, people people helping each other. Mm-hmm. And it meets every Wednesday from 6 to 7 p.m. at the Plymouth Congregational Church at 925 Vermont. Everybody's welcome. And the people who tend to come to those meetings include people who are supporting other people, like friends, family members, who are concerned about somebody and, and want to be helpful, and people who are living with mental health challenges, and everybody's helping each other by sharing some experiences, some questions. You know, it's it's one of those great opportunities. And, and to take that a little bit close to home, I will say one of the things that I do is I have a support group for people who've lost loved ones to suicide. Mm-hmm. And I also have a support group for people who have suicide thoughts and even suicide attempts. And that group is called Stay In Alive. And if you look on Facebook, Stay In Alive Lawrence, Kansas, you will find helpful articles and information about the support group because chances are you or somebody you know needs that kind of support. And and again, to me, the great thing about groups is that you help each other. Mm -hmm. Nobody's just there to suck up all the help. Everybody's giving Mm -hmm. and getting help. And so again, fitting with with Kevin Hines being on Friday, June 16th at the LEAD Center, and I want to say that there are lots of great supports going on in Lawrence, Kansas, you know, and, and across the country and across other countries. There, there are different kinds of supports. I'm a big believer in learning what we can do more of for ourselves as well as using help, you know? That's I just, a huge thing. If I, I just love um, fellowship, uh-huh. and I always think that it's so great if there's a group that meets that directly, you know, you know, is in parallel to what you're going through mm-hmm. because it's so important to know that you're not alone right. in any kind of situation. Uh, suicidal thoughts being one of them, because I do know that that is depression is something depression and anxiety is something that everyone goes through at some stage in their life. Absolutely, and I think that uh, going back a little bit to my to my talking about social media, I know that a lot of younger people have a hard time just by being around a lot of younger people. Mm-hmm. Myself being a younger person, I can see how much anxiety is uh, brought and how on by the fact that people compare so much of themselves to other people Uh in this day and age. And it's so much, there's so much more access to do so when you can see your friends in Boca Raton and, (laughs) you know, and flying around the world and, you know, climbing mountains and doing things of that nature, you know, just having a fabulous life. But you have to keep in perspective that that those are moments in yes. time, and most times people are exhibiting the best times of their lives, yeah. and everyone goes through the same emotions that you go through, and it's always just about how you react to the emotions that matters. And for those who have a harder time 
react to reacting to them in a positive manner and being optimistic. I always think that a group that has, you know, other people, like-minded people who are there to change the way that they think and offer suggestions because you know I'm about solutions <laughs> is so important. And I personally am part of groups um, of that nature because I have to be around other people who are suffering in the same, and not, I don't even want to use the word suffering rather, but experiencing the same kind of, you know, mental turmoil in a sense that I am and in, in decisions about where to go and how in their life and how to present themselves and how to be, how to just be, uh-huh. you know, it's so important to me to go to support groups that have like-minded people because I always come out feeling tons better. Mm-hmm. You know, if I have a horrible day and I go to um, a group or even speak with a friend or mm-hmm. a few friends who, you know, go to dinner with a few friends who, I know are having a tough time and just kind of sharing our experiences, but then also sharing our ideas of how to make it better because I don't want, I don't like just wine sessions, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. wine sessions might be okay. Like <laughs> red wine. Without the age. Yeah. <laughs> red wine. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, don't drink myself. <laughs> but I do understand. So, you know, it's very important that you do have, you do get out your emotions. Very important. But you also, you know, try to look for solutions. And because I do, believe, I mean, it's cliche. So many of the uh, ideas that I take, you know, smiling, just wake up and, you know, smiling, you know, before I start, before I even get out of bed you know, and trying, and I keep a gratitude journal, five things that I'm grateful for each day. Train transformation, you know, because it keeps you from being so a bit selfish. <laughs> you know, a lot of times it's selfish, that it's, it's, it's self-centeredness that brings upon the depression and the anxiety. When you think about, you know, how group, much you have in your life in comparison to some people. Mm -hmm. I mean, especially here in America, we're so blessed. And, you know, when you think about third world countries where women can't even show their ankles, just be grateful you can wear sandals. (laughs) You know, it's, I'm thankful, you know, just that I can have a say what I've said today publicly without, you know, being, having fear that I'm going to be stunned when I leave (laughs) this place, you know, and I'm thankful that I live in a country where I can contribute to change, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and places where change can actually start without it being immediately snuffed out by government, you know, it's not... North Korea, you know. So I think it's definitely important to go to groups that reinforce the notion that things can get better if you look at it from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And especially when you go to groups where people were 
or still are in the same position as you are Mm -hmm. in mindset, Mm -hmm. but are willing, because that's a huge part of it. You're willing to try and change Mm -hmm. because that, you know, you can go to groups all you want and you can have positive affirmations written on your bathroom mirror, you know, every day. But if you're not willing to actually try those experiences, you know, it's kind of just like, I'm going to lose weight, but watching just the, you know, diet channels and not buying the right foods mm-hmm. and still going Dunkin' Donuts, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's, you have to change your lifestyle in order to ch- change your experience. And sometimes you need help. I mean, sometimes Always. people not being able to do some things is one of the symptoms of really severe depression, for example. This is help for me. You know, yeah. I go to therapy and I'm very vocal about the fact that I love the fact that I have a wonderful therapist who I can see. Mm-hmm. I see him less often now than I did before when I was in a state of depression after I had some experience that's happened to me in Los Angeles, as you know, <laughs> that story has been told, but it was very, I was very upset when I came back to Kansas and I was diagnosed with PTSD at the Burt Nash Center. So, you know, at that time I had no health insurance and thank God for them. And so I have never been a kind of person that was afraid to ask for help. Thank goodness. Cause it got me my scholarship. If mm-hmm. I believe, because I was like, someone help me to like figure out Sally Mae. <laughs> and so, you know, through that came, you know, opportunities to write scholarship, write articles and things for scholarship and things. And so I believe in asking for help. And I believe in being around like-minded people, you know, who lift you up and don't bring you down because a lot of times if you look around in your life, you'll find that, It's not even your fault always that you are in a constant state of depression or anxiety. Mm -hmm. It could be that you're around toxic people who reinforce it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying that those are bad, they're bad people, but if you want to change your frequency and your energy to something positive and you truly want to be be happier because no one's consistently happy, (laughs) you're always going to go through troubled times. But I believe that if you reach out for help from people who are in similar experiences, they will be able to give you tools to deal with every situation that comes along that would otherwise put you in a state that, you know, got you closer to the edge. And we can help each other figure them out. You know, sometimes people say, well, what I do when I feel really bad is this. And you roll your eyes going, I would never do that. But maybe it gets you thinking about, but actually what I would do is this. Baby I kind of forgot it. You know, but what I mean is it's very personal. Yeah. Like what, what are my coping skills? What really helps me is going to be different from what helps you. But when we start talking about that, it kind of gets me thinking about, oh, yeah, there are some things I can do. And I haven't been doing those, and and I need to remember. My therapist mentions a lot about meditation and how he meditates. And I thought, oh, God, meditation, when he first brought it up. But then he made me realize that I don't have to meditate just like him. Right. (laughs) You know? I'll put a big plug. There's a website, mindful.org, and Mm. they have so many good articles 
about things like meditation and mindfulness and some things to try. And you'll look at it and go, ah, I am like this one, but yeah, actually I try this one. And and that's one of the the pages that I use for some of the posts on the Staying Alive page on yeah. Facebook. There's an app, Headspace. Mm-hmm. Lots new. of good apps. And, um, Find what works for you. It's guided meditation, but personalized medica- mm-hmm. meditation. And some people are doing ballet. Some people are running on the beach. Mm-hmm. I personally meditate by what I watch the same kind of like um, funny videos every day. And I have- Where do you find them? I have a YouTube, I have a list on YouTube that it just automatically plays them in order. Okay. And so I'm not actually even always paying attention to them. Uh I drift in and out of them because I know them so well, Uh but it puts me in a positive headspace every morning before I leave the house, you know? And so it doesn't always have to be cross-legged candles lit looking at a Buddha, but (laughs) it can just be whatever puts you in a good space, Mm -hmm. you know, a positive space, you know? And I do that. I'll have to say for, I mean, I literally am am not exaggerating about an hour every morning. Mm -hmm. I'm an early riser though. So (laughs) I I woke up this morning at 5.30 because I have to have that. Mm -hmm. You know, I suffer from anxiety and, you know, and that's one of the things that helps me get ready for the day and be able Mm -hmm. to leave the house, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm grateful. For, I do anything. I mean, I do my, you know, meditations. I go to um, yoga. I go to my therapist. I try my best to do anything that I know will guide me and help me get out of my own Beyonce videos. Listen, perhaps. She's, on, <laughs> she's definitely on the list. I mean, I'm. I mean, this morning I probably watched ten of them. <laughs> They give me confidence, uh-huh. you know, and that's just me, you know, uh-huh. but I am not saying that's not, I mean, I'm not telling everyone to rush out and, you know, go uh-huh. to Beyonce Vivo and just like split, press play because you, you're going to get 110 videos and be prepared for like 24 hours of Beyonce, which I would love. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that's my day off. But, and I come out of that feeling empowered, but, you know, everyone, of course, has their own kind of, I love watching interviews of um, classic actresses. Hmm. I mean, Elizabeth Taylor and Grace Kelly. I just, I love watching them. And as an actor, I watch acceptance speeches, which always put me in a good headspace for some reason, cool. especially when they're minorities. Uh-huh. Because they they always come with some their speeches always come with something at the end like no matter who you are I'm gonna quote Lapita Nyong'o now but it, she always says she said in her Oscar acceptance speech that no matter where you're from your dreams matter. What a perfect quote for the ending of this show. Uh, thank you, Tarian. Absolutely, thank you. I'm thank glad you to be back. Glad to be with you, and so long. Talk to you next time.